Well, this morning we uh, told you about the uh, children of Israel and uh, how uh, after Solomon the kingdom split, and uh, we know that the southern kingdom was uh, destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down, uh, and uh, we know they were destitute. We know that Nebuchadnezzar went into the southern kingdom and took the brightest and the wisest and the most capable, and then whoever else was left and put them in the Babylonian empire. And uh, we know that was called exiled. We uh, told you about that. Our message tonight uh, is an exodus that deals with the time in which the children of Israel left uh, Egypt. And uh, so today we are ahead of where we're at now, but uh, we find in Exodus, the 14th chapter, we're going to launch from verses 5 through 15. And we You can't, the children of Israel, you can say what you will about them, but I got to tell you something, friend, they are a mirrored image often of the culture in which we live today. I mean, just a mirrored image about the time that you believe that, that they really now have learned their lesson, what do they do? They jump off the deep end again. Seems like they cannot be corralled, Uh, they cannot be led and just stay passionately in love with God and Jehovah. You and I, Jehovah, Jehovah was a wonderful, he was the creator. You and I have Jesus Christ, the son of the living God today, to fall in love with that actually died for us on the cross of Calvary. So we know that life sometimes like a yo-yo. I mean, it's an amazing situation when you go up and down and, and you say, God, is there ever going to be a period of time in my life when I am comfortable, when I have all the loose ends tied up, when there's nobody fighting in the family, when the raises, if I'm still working, come at a consistent pace, where everybody seems to be getting along, and God, we're paying our bills, and actually we have money left over, and the dreams that we had turned out to be a real dream and not a nightmare. God, is it ever, we ever going to get to enjoy that? I mean, that wonderful opportunity. We ever going to have the body that we see in the magazines? I prophesy now, no. <laughs> the closest you're ever going to get to the body in the magazine is to walk through a spray tan booth. That's what you're going to have. That's it. Life. Just plain life. And when we go down after we've been up and we've said, God, how wonderful you are, as great as our God. How wonderful is he? Somebody runs right through the wall, shatters us, and down we go. And it's in those moments, if you don't just watch yourself, unless you're just super-duper supernatural, you're going to become frustrated with God. God, uh, I've been praying this prayer for two years now, a good two years. You don't pay any attention to me. I haven't heard from you in two years. I get frustrated. God, I want to question my relationship with you. I know what the preacher says. I know what the book says. I know what the Bible. I understand that. But listen, are you and I still, you still tight? God, I read in the Bible here so many wonderful truths, but it always seemed to work for somebody else. 
It's somebody else that the Bible becomes plain and clear. And Lord, here's something else I'd just like to talk to you about. I got a neighbor. They don't ever go to church. They, the only time they mention your name is in a curse word. But Lord, I've got a canoe and they've got a yacht. The storm came through and tore my roof up. Their roof, no problem. God, they drive a new car every year and a half. I have to drive the wheels off mine. God, what's up? They don't go to church. And it just seems like I know what the preacher says. Oh, pressed down, shaking together and running over. When? It looks like my neighbor that I wave to when I leave to go to church is making a whole lot better out of their life than I have in my life. Now, I know that none of you have ever thought that. No, no, no. How is it, God, that that happens? In other words, Satan will throw us every temptation. And where does he start? He, he starts talking to us in our head that will cause us to doubt and then get us to the place that maybe we would not run away from God, but we would just become spiritually immobile. In other words, we're not good to anybody for anything. We just are frozen. You're a Christian? Yep. Go to church when I can. What's God done for you lately? I don't know. Well, have you been witnessing to somebody? Well, if I get an opportunity. When's the last time you actually talked to somebody? Well, it's been a long time. Well, boy, do you love praise and worship? Yeah, but they don't sing the songs that I like anymore. My favorite was Rock of Ages. That was my favorite. My other favorite was Amazing Grace. My other favorite was How Great Thou Art. Now they don't sing songs that I like anymore. Well, um, that's good. Um, how about your relationship with Jesus? We're good. You're good, huh? A real light you are in the middle of the darkness. Well, my battery's a little weak right now. You know how many people are like that in the church of Jesus Christ today? Do you know why we're closing thousands and thousands of churches in our country today? It's because of that very spirit of apathy. Do you know that God never called us to be apathetic? He called us to be dynamic. He called us to be aggressive. He called us to be faith-filled. He called us to step out in faith and tell the devil where he can go and declare the glory and the honor of God. Satan will throw everything that he can to cause you to be immobile. Our text il illustrates the circumstances. So here's a question. Somebody asked me not long ago, can Satan do whatever he pleases with me? It seems like that he has a free hand with me. Every time I turn around, he's dabbling in my business. Or what can I do to, to escape hard times effectively? What do I do? I mean, it seemed like I'm in one dip after another dip after another dip. And then what does God expect of me as a believer? So here's, here's, the, here's the answer to one of those. It is you, you can bear the weight. Say that with me. You can bear the weight. Everybody has a burden. Everybody's got a burden to bear. 
Everybody's got some battle they're fighting. Everybody you know has got some difficulty. If you look at people and you think that they are high tide and fancy free with no problems, you just don't know what's going on in their mind, don't know what's going on in their family, don't know what's going on in their business, you don't know what's going on in their heart. Here's the bottom line. We all have challenges that we face every single day. Enough said. Enough said. Challenges that are there, that are always there. So we know that, that you can bear the weight. So here's what God's dealing with a bunch of people I, 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 that, that, that needs deliverance, and, and, and they've, been under, they've been under God's hand of protection, and it's been tough. And we believe that we say, God, I am facing more than I can bear. Really now. So here's the text, Exodus 14, 8a. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In those times, we feel abused by the circumstances. This this happened to me years and years ago, and now, at this time, I want you to know the circumstances that surround me are more than I can bear. I feel forsaken. I feel forgotten by everyone else. A support system, people say, I'm praying for you, but they really don't. I'm praying for you, but they really don't care. Oh, let me help you. And they'll give you $2 and say, maybe this will help you. That won't buy a Big Mac at McDonald's. You with me? My support system. I mean the church, my support system. And then we get, if we're not careful, we become faithless and discouraged. How many of you know what it feels like to feel discouraged? May I see your hand? How many of you know somebody that's depressed and discouraged right now? How many of you know somebody, their dreams have not become a reality for the purpose of God yet? It's not. We all know those things. So you and I would be no different than possibly these children of Israel here. And so Satan toys with our mind and our spiritual resolve. I can feel personally when I face great challenges because my life, my life all the time deals with other people's problems and the challenges that they have that doesn't usually get to me until it's critical. Tell me what to do. How am I going to manage this? Or the news that I receive very seldom is good news. The news that I receive as a pastor, as we all do, is, wow, it's hot in here. It's difficult. It's a challenge. They walked out. They left me penniless. My family got, received cancer. My mother's cancer. My spouse. All, all of those things. And I deal with that every day. And then there gets to the place that in my mind, I'm, I'm confessing to you, in my mind, I reach that place that I feel the enemy trying to choke me and take my breath away. I feel the cloud of the enemy coming in like a shroud and just saying, I'm, I'm going to overwhelm, I'm going to overtake you. I'm going to overwhelm you. What do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 because the one name that just takes the devil's breath away, his name is Jesus. 
He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. He is my protector. He is my deliverer. He is my soon coming king. And I say, God, I'm going to need you to buoy me up. If this is what you want to walk through, I've learned not to complain when you walk through the valley. But sometimes through the valley, through the valley, you know what? You don't have to cook hot dogs. It's usually so hot down there, they're already roasted. All you have to do is supply the bun. You, you know what I'm talking about? You don't have to worry about it. You just know, okay, God, if this is where I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to walk through, I'm, I'm going to get down there, and I know that you are, in fact, going to be with me. So our text reveals the children of Israel experiencing the same. They have permission. Now they're going to get out of Egypt. Pharaoh gives them the opportunity. What a great day it is. This, this is the day the Lord hath made. Look what the Lord has done. And so we know almost overnight. So they're leaving and there are hundreds of thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. And almost overnight, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, I call him the satanic ruler, changes his mind and desires to destroy them in the wilderness. And he brings his total cavalry with him. Hundreds of chariots. How interesting is that? Listen to the response of the people. We were just singing, look what the Lord has done. We were just declaring Jehovah God is great. We just turn and say, goodbye, Egypt, goodbye. And now look, the word just came that Pharaoh has changed his mind. Somebody got a text, and he said he was coming you know what happened? Be, be careful here. These people who, when they got a good word, who, when they were told being delivered, were faith-filled. But when they found that the enemy was coming a second time, it says they became fearful and faithless. It says they murmured and said, we had better graves in Egypt. They said, we told you, Moses, this would not work. They said, we would have been better to remain in slavery. In other words, you can hear the voices of the enemy, hear the influence of Satan and the words of their observation. Satan, Satan, however, no matter how he feeds your mind, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the mail, no matter what the text, no matter what it is, listen carefully, friend. Does Satan have a free hand against you? Absolutely not. There's one thing that he has to deal with, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who covers us by his spirit and his anointing. He has bound Satan in your life, the discouraging news, depression, bad news, bad situation. It is restricted by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It cannot get closer than what God says it's going to get, and it cannot overtake you. It cannot run over you. It cannot go through you. It has to stop where the blood of Jesus Christ is and cannot move any further. Satan, you're a liar. I crush you under my foot and declare the glory of Almighty God. He is my Savior and my Lord. Well, here we go, bound by the restrictions. This is what the Word says. God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He says it two or three times in there, makes that statement, meaning that no devil 
And no influence is absolutely free to do what he will against you. So we have illustrations. They're familiar. Here we go. Job is one of them. Devil said, I want to take him. I believe he's hiding behind, uh, hiding behind your shadow. And, uh, and uh, I, I could take him out if you just take your hand off of him. And so, yeah, you know the story. God said, okay, do whatever you want. But listen, you don't lay a finger on him. His life is preserved. Peter, what about Peter, this free-wheeling individual? Peter, you know what? The enemy, he'd like to sift you like wheat. But listen, this is what Jesus says to Peter. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter, in other words, that's as far as it goes. Paul, listen, I know you're burdened. I know you're beaten. And I know you're pushed aside. And I know you've been hauled before the courts before. And I know that you seem like you don't have any friends that can keep up with you, but no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. A God is faithful to you. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and you can take that and stand on it. And James said, hey, what about, what about the enemy that comes to me and the word of God's, uh, God's Son, Jesus Christ? In two James is submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee to you. Listen, friend, get up out of that stupor. Get up out of that pit. Get Get up out of that discouragement. Get up out of that difficult situation. Get up out of that depression. Get up out of that sickness and take yourself and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you by the authority that was paid for on the cross of Calvary. You are a liar in the name of Jesus. He didn't say anything about taking two Tylenol and going to bed. You resist him. You resist him. Number two, God will provide deliverance. How many of you ever been delivered? <laughs> How many ever prayed a prayer that you wanted something from God and God didn't give it to you and now you're glad? What did they look like? <laughs> That's all I got to say. My Lord, have mercy. Exodus 14, 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you're going to see the deliverance the Lord is going to bring to you today. That's the Bible. The Egyptians you see today. The problem you see today, you'll never see it again. So Moses said to God, God's fearful and unbelieving people, fear not. <laughs> you try that in counseling with people. You try that when a spouse has walked out and say to her, you don't have a thing to worry about nothing. He was no good anyway. From now on, your life's going to be a breeze. You divorce women, you know that's not true. Oh, you don't have to worry about the kids. Yeah, they'll be fine. You'll give them some medication every day, but they'll get over it in about 30 years. Everything's cool. You look at this because the best deliverance comes from a God-ordained deliverance. You would have to think about this, but I don't know that you want to be delivered ahead of God's perfect time for your deliverance. Hello? Fear not. What is he saying? Be reconciled to God's power. Be reconciled to God's power. Be bold, believe God, be encouraged, and... and Bind, in Jesus' name, unbelief. 
So Matthew's gospel, Jesus, 10th chapter, verse 31, don't be afraid, you are worth more than sparrows. Sparrows are, good Lord, plentiful. But he said, you are worth more than sparrows. Why is that? Because he said, doing the above is an exercise of faith. And this is what he said to do. Every time you feel, this morning, I felt the enemy. I knew the message. I was ready. I was prepared. I had to travel. I was tired. And I thought, God, I need I need you to visit me. I need you to visit me. Look at the message, my, my Sunday morning deal, is I take the message when I get here, a few minutes before six, just right before some of you get up on Sunday morning. And I read through it again. And I highlight. And I double highlight. And then I highlight with a different color. It looks like a rainbow. Before I get through, here is blue, yellow, and red, and green right here. All right here. I go through it. Then I meditate on it. Then I take it to memory. I read it again. I go through it. Then I take it and I begin to edit, even though it's been edited and edited. So God, that doesn't fit in the flow and I strike. Leave that. Or God, give me a new anointing for another word. It's, it's here. So I got still. Still. I reach back. I get my CD player. I put a tape in of a song that I've determined every time I hear it. <laughs> the devil hates it. He does. It's a song that you can understand the words. It's like in the presence of Jehovah. Hallelujah. Jesus, an old song, is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. Amen? I listen to that. I let it seep into my heart. I begin to feel something in me that connects with my supernatural person. Hello? When it connects with my supernatural person, then I'm here to tell you I push the pedal to the metal. Amen? I say, oh, I got something. I get up then and I begin to walk. I'm just giving you something. I begin to walk. Dan can hear some of my music. I begin to walk. And I begin to walk to and fro and to and fro and to and fro. And then I move into my prayer language. I said, you don't understand this. You know, you don't understand this language. That's just God and me. That's my inner man talking. Jesus, I know you're here. By the time I get ready, I'm ready to go. Amen? I'm ready to go. I said, God, I know now 
I know now I've got the target. Amen. The devil's always the target. I know there are people that need to be delivered this morning, and this word is going to touch them. I know there are people who need to be cautioned. This is their word today. I know there are people that they're holding on to the last, the last let. I know you've got the word today because the word will, in fact, set them free. What does set them free? What does it do? Stand still and wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Wait on him. Wait on him. Listen to God's voice. Hush the clamoring lies of the devil. And to do that, sometimes you have to turn your cell phone off. I don't need a message to interrupt my presence with Jesus Christ. Hello? You gain control from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. Standing still then gives God an opportunity to work in you before he works for you. Before he works for you. David said in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will, I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted on the earth. And here's what else he says. See the salvation of the Lord. Salvation then meant something different than it did in the New Testament. Here's what he said. You can expect to see the supernatural. You can expect to experience the unbelievable. You can expect to be involved in some risk, and you can expect the Word of God to become a fire in you, and you can stand on this fact that there is a God in heaven who's ready, willing, and able to fight for you when he chooses to do it. If you just say, here I am, God, I don't have a prayer, I don't have a stinking chance, but I know who you are, hallelujah. Take me up in your arms. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit. Help me a little bit. So you grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Number three, advance, advance. The future is waiting. How many believe you have a future? <laughs> if you don't, we'll schedule your funeral this week. We just go ahead and get it on the books. Thursday is a good day for me. Exodus, when the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you moaning to me? Why, 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 don't, why, why cry to me? He said, tell the Israelites to move on. Have you ever wanted to tell somebody that, that, that all they ever do is just, I'm just so tired. I'm just so weak. I'm just so, oh, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. You ever just wanted to tell them, pipe down, get up, pack up, and move on? You understand what I'm saying? You ever want, yeah, so that I don't feel bad. You ever wanted to do that? Just tell, tell somebody, turn to your neighbor and say, move on. Move on. There you go. In our lives, every situation, there comes a time that you either have to sit down or get up. In your life, there comes a time when you have to retreat or you have to advance. There comes a time when you can pass the buck or you can assume responsibility. God said to Moses, don't cry to me. Get ready to advance. When in the midst of our challenge, we come to the conclusion that we believe God 
And we believe that Satan is not in control over us. And we have sat in his presence long enough to hear from him. Then God says, now it's time to move on. That is a a difference that means for you, maybe for some of you, it means different things to some of you. Moses used his instrument of God. It was his rod. God divided the water. God's people began to walk across the Dead Sea or Red Sea. And God dealt with Pharaoh and his armies. As a matter of fact, the people of God questioned Moses' leadership. The people had questioned God's decision to get them deliverance. But when they saw that Red Sea open and they saw the people of Pharaoh ride in and they saw, here's what, here's what the Scripture says, and when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed, and when, the, when they saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. See, every miracle comes from the behavior of when you're in exile. Every miracle comes when God gives you the time to say, I will make a way where there is no way. But every promise of God has to be connected to an act of faith. To an act of faith. I have many, many illustrations as a result of that. To an act of faith. Does God put more on us than we can bear? No. Have we been still long enough for God to birth in us a way of escape? I don't know. At this moment, God may give you instruction whether you advance or not is absolutely up to you. In Exodus 15, 2 and 3, this is what they said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You remember, when you leave this room tonight, you got somebody that lives in you that's not going to take anything from the devil on your behalf. 